0: MCTV. We hope you enjoy the following presentation. Local productions on QTV are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you.
1: Welcome to Junior Doan's The Spark. I'm Junior Doan and thank you for joining us. My guest today is Julia Winter, CEO and founder of Alchemy, a developer of digital learning tools for chemistry students. Welcome, Julia. I'm excited to learn about Alchemy. What is it and how did you get into it?
2: Yeah, Alchemy is a company that is taking ideas that transform science learnings, especially in chemistry, into new ways for students to make sense of tough concepts. How do you do that? Well, we're actually using game-based learning. So students are coming up, playing with games, and understanding experimentation through games. And we're taking that idea and taking really tough concepts and making them into puzzles.
1: Stop right there. For those okay. of us who don't know games-based learning, explain that in a little more detail.
2: Okay. So this is sort of my, my technology guy, my CTO Joe. Okay. He's a game guy. Okay. And so he actually has spent a lot of time teaching me. Now, I'm a 20-year teacher. Teaching a teacher isn't always the easiest thing. So he's gotten me to see that learning through games is really learning through experimentation. And exploration. And and so the answer isn't right in front of you. You aren't going for the answer. You're going for the experience. So the best games, commercial games, entertainment games, don't have you want the answer. You want the journey so game-based learning is because it's
1: interesting
2: yeah it develops career it's fun it's fun i mean games are supposed to be a way of getting to the answer but if you get to the answer too quick it's not fun nobody wants a game that especially if you pay for it that that you get the answer like this you want to have fun along the way and there's some psychology to games where if it's too hard, you give up. If it's too easy, it's too easy. So you have to get to this sort of, what they call the flow state of games.
1: Does that bear, depend on age, the flow state? No, actually it
2: is It is just the way you design a game. Oh. And so it can't be too hard. It has to start out easy. You have to get rewards quick and then it has to get progressively more difficult as you learn so if you think about it it's a perfect way to learn real quote unquote subjects because that's the way we learn as kids we start out learning how to do something like riding a bike you have training wheels you have somebody take the training wheels off you try and you try and you try and finally all of a sudden it works and then you can go everywhere i like that metaphor i just made that up yes (laughs)
1: I, uh, I was thinking about how things fit together.
2: Oh, okay. You know, okay. you can't
1: really know till you try, um, do you know what I mean? No, this
2: totally is, understand.
1: Uh, interesting. So taking that concept mm-hmm. into, into this app, is, do we call it an mm-hmm. app?
2: Multiple apps. But uh, our, multiple. We have We have one big signature product called Mechanisms that's funded by the National Science Foundation and that's goal is to is to help organic chemistry students in college so it's really focused on organic chemistry usually a second year subject in college helping students get through the understanding and the structure of organic chemistry
1: what's the difficulty in understanding or learning organic chemistry wow That's a big question. Um, One of the problems is let me simplify it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) One of the problems students have is they have to learn structure and spatial understanding, and their general chemistry and intro chemistry courses don't necessarily teach it as extensively as they need to when they start organic chemistry. So they come in, and all of a sudden, the the pieces that they learned in general chemistry are front and center in organic chemistry, and that makes it difficult. Because now they have to think in terms of structure and spaces instead of numbers and algorithms and, and um, reactions. Well, they do do reactions in organic chemistry, but.
1: So are you saying that you have to layer in, not only the information, but the three-dimensional concept? Oh, absolutely. And therefore, for those who people who It doesn't come naturally or they don't learn it. This is a games-based way of really accelerating their understanding and keeping them from failing.
2: Oh, absolutely. And the neat part is with technology now, we built the programs to be mobile, so on phones and iPads. And now we're taking and going one more dimension and using what's called augmented reality to build three-dimensional learning tools using uh, using games and um, uh, phones and... uh, So how would that work? Just describe it. An augmented reality app? Well, we have like a little tag and you take your phone and the tag tells the phone that that's your building platform. Okay. And you can use your phone to build on that little tag. And then you can pick that tag up and see what you've built by spinning it around and looking at the other side. So you can actually, we almost think of it as this open-ended like molecular construction tool and students can try things out and see what it looks like from all sides after they've built it. So that's what augmented reality is. The reality is there's really nothing on the tag, right? but in your phone, it looks like you have built something on that tag. Is that hard to design? Um, It's different because we, pretty much know how to use a phone now. I mean, if you think back when we first got iPhones, we had to learn how to pinch and zoom and do all of that. So now with augmented reality, we have to learn new what you call user interactions. And so you just have to test it with a lot of people to see if it makes sense and if it's intuitive to use. You don't want it difficult. You don't want it hard to use. You want it intuitive and and a 7-year-old can pick it up and play with it. It sounds like this would have very wide application. Oh yeah, especially the what we really want to do with the augmented reality piece, build it so you can have two people building at the same time, Oh. even in different rooms or different states, that you could actually interact with the same content through the tag. That's, a, that's, a really, that's one thing we really want to look at this multiplayer augmented reality. But right now we're just building right in front of each other and then students can actually project what they're building yes. and talk to each other and discuss it. So I've actually done this with the tag on, the, on a projected tag on the wall and then I had a bunch of teachers building in space so everybody in the room was building on the same tag is that second idea of being in different
1: spaces, that's technically able to do because they do it in games, right? Yep, yep. So it's just getting the whole concept grounded and elevated, so to speak, in this field. Right, and
2: talking, to, yes. And, yes, and That's that's our aim. That's, we're just starting that development. Exciting. It is, it is. So what are the steps it
1: takes to get that into reality of a business? Oh, uh, the
2: development of it? Yes. Yeah, um, Well, you have to have an idea for something that needs to be, somebody would pay for. You can't have a business if you're just building something that nobody will pay for. So you really have to uh, find the problem. What is the problem you're solving? In, In the case of alchemy, we're solving problems in science learning, especially chemistry, in spatial understanding. Okay. And so once you do that. And no one else has done that. Well, no, the people have. No, people have done that, but not in our game-based learning, okay. artificial. We actually add in another layer of machine learning or artificial intelligence into alchemy where we can actually watch students put ideas together and understand when they understand. Oh, fab. Yeah, it's very cool. So we can actually see what kind of students work through a problem over and over and over again to get it and yes. what students maybe put two ideas together that other students don't and w- when they're on the path to understanding it quickens learning that's that's the hypothesis that's what we're aiming for
1: so you ha- just walk us through the pro the process you have an idea that's a little bit
2: different right mm-hmm. that
1: someone will pay for and then what happens
2: well, you have to start building it, and you have to put a lot of money of your own into it. <laughs> so my husband and I funded this company from the very beginning, We what we would call bootstrapped it. So we put money in, we hired designers and a developer to take the initial, initial ideas and build something that could be tested. Yes. And then from there, we kept trying different ideas out and then I wrote a grant to the National Science Foundation while I was working full-time as a teacher and then we got funding through the National Science Foundation and that helped us build a team and now we're um, selling we're selling our first product rolling it out into college classrooms this fall
1: and I think they're going to do a test model didn't you mention that they're going to try it for a semester Am mm-hmm. I, I, do I remember correctly?
2: We had a lot of trials the, over the
1: summer. And the question is, will they re-up? Will they re-sign up? Right, exactly. In other words, what is their experience? Are you waiting for that uh, conclusion?
2: No, they're actually, you know, we have students buying the product right now as part of the learning material at, we have 45 different schools that have signed onto the platform for this fall.
1: As a first time use? Uh, yes. Yes. I see, that's exciting. It is very
2: exciting. And we've rolled it out, knock on wood, very few problems. Students have come on online and started using it and um, faculty have been assigning problems and,
1: What kind of salesperson did you have to become, or your team become, to get those 45 schools to go ahead? Well,
2: I am the VP of sales. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, there was opportunity. Yeah, and the one thing I, at first I was really reticent, oh, I'm not a salesperson, no. And then what really happened was I met with this woman out in Boulder, and just she was giving me advice I said okay let's let's meet and this is we have some early investors in in Colorado and she looked at me she said don't be nervous about being a salesperson because remember you're building a product that somebody needs students need you're not selling them you're offering them a service that doesn't exist and if you put it that way It doesn't feel like you're a salesperson in the bad way. You're you're really, this is a Opportunity-based. Yeah, and and for faculty, this is a way you can reach students that haven't been reached before because they don't have a way to learn the way that fits them. This is a new way of learning. So I actually think about that conversation with this woman in, in Boulder where she said, think about sales as a service. And so you went to each of the forty-five universities? No, I've done. I've done over the last three months a hundred and eighty demos with faculty on via video conference. Good for you. Yeah. Oh, every day.
0: Every I, day. E- ever,
2: almost every day. You know, throughout June, July, and August, I did. I took one week of vacation, but I did um, interviews, or you know, really. Gave them, yeah, worked with faculty and then got their feedback and then they came on to um, the platform.
1: So the expense is to the student.
2: Well, but in t- the U.S., that's, that's the model, okay. just like a textbook. Right. But this is not that expensive, so the expense goes on to the student. There are a few um, few institutions that are paying for it out of internal funds, too.
1: Now you're an award winning teacher, James <laughs> Brian Conan, two thousand and sixteen high yes. school teacher from the ACS, the American Chemical Society. What what did you learn in being a teacher that was recognized by them? What did you do? What did you how did you take your students from here to there?
2: Well, I don't know. The ACS, that Conan Award, what a pinnacle yes for my career and it actually came at the time where I was transitioning into the CEO oh, yeah. of Alchemy, so it was very bittersweet um, I, th- I think one of the things I have to give credit to is I had fabulous students at Detroit Country Day School so that was I was working with really good students but my goal in all of my teaching was to get students to understand concepts step away from memorizing step away from the Easy way to get to the answer, but get the concepts. So when you get the concepts, then you can apply them anywhere. Yes. And so um, the interesting piece is, I always said when you understand the concepts, an epiphany happens, and then and and it becomes easier. And so my students and I would always joke that praying for the epiphany. <laughs> when is the epiphany going to happen, Mrs. <laughs> winter, Especially seniors, because yes. seniors need that epiphany to happen before the end of the first semester, because that's when grades happen. (laughs) Is it happening yet? I said, it will, it will. So that's what I did throughout my 20 plus years at Detroit Country Day School, is really try to get students to move beyond memorizing. And then, because I, I come from a family of chemists, so I really like to show students that chemistry is more than just what you see in the book it's everywhere right it's It's all over the place and it is it makes the world go and and it's a really big there are really big ideas and there are really big ideas that can be solved with chemistry so uh, think about that when you're going to college when you're going on that there's a lot of problems in this world that can be solved using you know, by somebody who knows enough chemistry. And you said your parents were chemists? Well, I think there's five children in my family. I I don't think. I know there's five children in my family. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But, and four of us have advanced degrees in chemistry, and then three of us married PhDs in chemistry. I married a PhD in chemistry, so we we have a lot of chemistry in our family. So, and my dad was a doctor. Do
1: you sit around tables and family reunions and talk uh, ideas about chemistry in part? Not really. Not, not really.
2: not really. My husband and I might talk more chemistry than we should. but...
1: I, right. Oh, I think it's chemist. wonderful to share with right. uh, a spouse uh, uh, an interest mm-hmm. th- together. Yeah. Um, Madame Curie talked about that. Oh, really? Uh, yes, uh, I believe. And uh, the friends of mine who have been chemists, married to chemists, have said it just enriches the dialogue of what you talk about.
2: Well, yeah. and, he, and my husband does very different chemistry than I do because I was more in the chemical education, and he's he's, he's basic a research research, research chemist. Yes.
1: What's his field? What's he his
2: does um, inorganic chemistry and works in precursor development for atomic layer deposition. I sounded pretty good there, didn't I? Yes, <laughs> I'm not
1: sure I tracked on that, but yes. Oh, it, what what's atomic deposition?
2: Atomic layer deposition. Oh, yes, oh, yeah. yes,
1: yes. I understand what yeah. you mean now. Okay. Oh, interesting. Very, what values did your parents raise you with, all of you?
2: Oh, I don't know. I look at where my dad and my mom, um, you could do anything. I mean, there was no, as long as you put your mind to it, you can get through and solve anything. There was no limitations on, on, on you know, where you're going to go with your life. You just, you know, start start moving we very much so uh, education based so we were always encouraged to keep moving forward and actually I think there was a lot of competition between all five of us so um, in the
1: early years did they help you with homework or understanding not even arithmetic or no uh, I don't
2: remember ever I I think my dad might have Review some papers here and there, but he was busy. He was a, a an internist, a doctor, and so,
1: yes, no time. Yeah, and I was the fourth of five. So you got passed over. <laughs> <laughs> no, you modeled it, yourself actually, on the others.
2: Uh, the, the older ones would probably say that you know the younger ones could do anything they wanted, so which is probably true.
1: Um, so, what values of your parents, or did you add on to raising your own
2: family? that's interesting. Um, now, you know I taught my children in class oh, school oh yeah. no at school no. at school no, i had, I had both my children they actually became chemical engineers, both of them went to University of Michigan that's um, hard to get into yeah <laughs> sure. and they both did well and both got jobs in a tough economy in the the late 2000s but late two thousand what do you call that two thousand eight two thousand yes but um uh You know, I wanted them to, like my parents, just set your mind to it and focus and and work hard and you can do anything you want. So, but it was interesting teaching two years of my daughter and then two years of my son. So for four straight years, I had my children in class. And how did class. you
1: handle that? What did you tell them? Like when I'm in class, you're the student, I'm the teacher at home, my mom. No, it's not. Or did not you that... just say honey, learn it?
2: <laughs> yeah, they actually they were pretty independent. I, you know, I never had to worry about them looking at my computer. I mean, they didn't for answers. I also coached them in cross country and track. So <laughs> it was it was a wonderful four yes. years to actually be have them in the school with me and then teaching them. How so. did you get into cross country and track? Oh, I started long ago. I've been a runner since I was 13. So I ran in high school and then I ran in college at the University of Minnesota. So I sometimes I wonder, I've, I've always wondered this, did I go into teaching so I could coach? Oh, or did I go into coaching so I could teach? I haven't figured it out yet, and I don't think I want to answer that question because I loved both. I was... What
1: about the question of how do you motivate or motivate differently in cross-country or in the classroom?
2: Well, you know, that's an interesting question because I think you actually... There's a lot of talk about personalized learning. I think the best teachers and the best coaches know that it's not a one-size-fits-all motivation so what works with one student or athlete might not work with the other so you actually I think that's the art the craft of teaching and coaching that you just have this feeling that this person needs to be pushed in a certain way and this one doesn't now I was never a yeller I was never a cusser you know, like yeah. some, some people do that in coaching. Fear-based. I was never fear-based. And at the very end, the last two years, I coached boys, which was, I usually coached girls, but coaching boys was a totally different experience because they expected a little more of that Roughness yelling. And- yeah, yeah. So they like coached me. No, Mrs. Winner. <laughs> Mrs. Winner, you need to be a little tougher with us. <laughs> I'm like, okay. They said that? Yes, yes. So that was actually really interesting. My last two years, I coached both the men's and the women's team at the same time.
1: And you had to do it differently, one more.
2: Well, it was. You you coach them different. Just like I said, I mean, teaching teaching students in a classroom coach, you know, coaching is a, is just a different form of teaching. It's a physical teaching. And so you just have to monitor who needs what what handholding and what pushing.
1: I learned a lot about myself from a counselor who was very, I wouldn't say tough woman. she had three levels of a tennis tournament, and she wanted me to be in the top level. Mm-hmm. And I remember crying at rest period with her while we took a walk saying, I'm not good enough, I'm just gonna be, you know, it's mm-hmm. gonna be so horrible, and this and that, and she was after me. You, you've got to do this, I want you to do this, you can do this, you can do this, you will do this. No, I don't wanna do it, I'm crying, and I'm just horror. Oh. And it was like going in a cattle shoot to your death. And. But every point, I just stayed with it. And, of course, I won. But I did not have the ability of the people I beat. I was just really mad at her. Oh, you (laughs) were? (laughs) Because she pushed me into doing this. I have a
2: question (laughs) of you, of that thing. Did you do it because of her, or did you do it despite her? I'm just, I'm curious. I would never
1: have signed up for the first because I didn't think I was good enough. Maybe she saw I was good enough and I was just whatever. Um, I didn't do it to spite her. I did it because she made the decision that I was going to do it. And if I'm going to do something, I want to see it through. Okay. And it became almost an out-of-body experience. The finals in front of everybody watching my procedure. I'm 14, 15 years old. Broussier strap breaks. Oh, no. And I'm like, I can't live this. I, I mean, this was just so horrible.
2: But you did it.
1: But I did do it.
2: See, I always wonder, because I, when I think about myself, if I ever would, as an athlete, if I were running for somebody else, I would never, I wouldn't do it as well as if I were doing it for, for yourself. Right. So I was proving something to me as an athlete. I wasn't doing it for my coach. So I was just wondering since you yeah, mentioned that I, I don't think to I understand. was doing
1: it for her I don't know that I was doing it for me. I was doing it that I would not um, I Would not be absent in the split second from the experience and okay. that every split millisecond thing I could do I would do and you know uh to stay with it over this, you know, whatever time it took to do all this was a lot. But okay. I learned that I can expect more of myself than I think I can expect.
2: That's a great uh, lesson. And,
1: and therefore, as an adult, that became the model that it doesn't really matter <laughs> if you think you're good enough or anything enough. You know, if you're going to go in that direction, see it through. And that's, that's my motto in life. I don't call it seeing it through, but in essence, I live seeing it through.
2: See, and that's where I think, and I, I guess this conversation wasn't going to go to athlete, athletics, but that is such an important lesson that athletics can teach right. in, inside of an academic situation. So I'm a really big fan of the student-athlete model, even if you're not the best. You right. actually set goals and you can, you can achieve them.
1: I, I think it uh, more widely, though, if she had said you can be in the math, whatever, you right. know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had that in math. We had four levels, right. and they put me in the second level, not the best. Mm-hmm. And our teacher said, we will do better than the first. Okay. Uh, and she, she was a disciplinarian. She wasn't nice at all. And, you know, and we did. You did. Second, all of our class exceeded the first. So sometimes I think call it expectations, call it seeing it through, call it making the challenge big enough or important enough. Thank you, Julia. So we have learned a great deal from Julia. First of all, <laughs> you have to have imagination. Secondly, as she learned to teach in her high school classes, concepts counts. If you get the concept, you can take it anywhere in life. Much better than memorization or things like that. Thirdly, high expectations. Fourthly, um, in her case, physical activity reinforces the ability to stay with um, your other work. Fifthly, unafraid to try something new. In her business, it's all about finding an idea that hasn't been done exactly this way before. View it as an opportunity that she became a good salesman, a woman, and (laughs) take it as far as it goes, knowing that you have to do the work for it. Thank you for tuning in. Do something kind for someone you know and someone you know, and I'll see you next week. Thank you so very much. I hope you take the lessons, and even my lessons with it. See it through. Thank you, everybody.
0: <laughs> to contact Junia, send her an email at juniadonesthespark at gmail.com. For more information, program schedules, and news about future guests, go to www.juniadonethespark.com. Thank you for joining us. See you next time on Junia Dones the Spark. Local productions on QTV are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you. MCTV.